When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Talk Radio. Julia Hartley Brewer at breakfast on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Delighted to welcome our next guest, one of the quad that helps decide whether we are in lockdown or not lockdown, Cabinet Office Minister Michael Gove. Good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Good Julia. morning. Now, you're a former Education Secretary. What are the biggest uh, effects of this latest national lockdown affecting the vast majority of people in this country is that children are no longer going to be able to go to school, the vast majority of them, uh, to either primary, secondary school or indeed a university either. It's all going to move to remote learning for the vast majority. Can you tell me what happened between Sunday morning when Boris Johnson went on television to tell us schools were completely safe and Monday morning, obviously, when children went back to school in a lot of schools and Monday evening when we're now told that schools are no longer safe? What 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 happened in that time frame? The four chief medical officers of the United Kingdom uh, told all the governments of the United Kingdom that we needed to move to level five, the highest level of alert because the pressure on the NHS was so great that it was at risk of overwhelming the health service. Um, And on that basis, uh, we in uh, England and also our colleagues in Scotland uh, reluctantly came to the conclusion with a heavy heart that we we had to close schools. And you're right. And was that information out of the blue? Well, it, it is the case that, as you quite rightly point out, the last thing we wanted to do, literally the last thing we wanted to do, was to close schools because the impact on children, particularly children from the poorest backgrounds of not being in the classroom is... is so, no, so I want uh, to clarify, the, the, the Prime Minister, yourself, the Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson, all other people had no inkling whatsoever that they were going to get that information from the chief medical officers sometime on Monday when they were told that schools were no longer a safe place for children to be because of the risk of transmission to the community. There, there was no inkling of that whatsoever. Well, Entirely new clear. information. Schools were closed in significant parts of uh, the southeast in London and in Kent and elsewhere uh, because of the, the danger of infection. But I think it's also important to say that, that schools do uh, remain open for children of key workers and for the, the very vulnerable. Could you, could you answer my question? The, the new information. I'm saying that the, the, but schools were going to be closed and delayed return. For in large parts of the, of, say, London home counties, and that. but for the yes. rest of the country, even for Tier Four, they were going to open. And the new information that was received by the Prime Minister on at some point on Monday 
was completely new information that was a game changer in terms of millions of children getting a, a full education at school. What was that information and was it completely new? Yes. It was completely new. Yes. Where, the, the, so what, where the, was that data? What, what, what was yeah. the data that was presented that said that it's no longer safe? It was, it was on Sunday morning and it was on Monday morning, but it's no longer safe. What was the new data? What was the change? Was it an infection rate change? Was it hospitalisation? Was it deaths? What was the new data that meant that schools were suddenly no longer safe across the entire country? Well, the, the judgment was that we needed to do everything possible in order to reduce the rate of infection. Uh, it is the case, of course, that schools are safe for the uh, the teachers who continue to work mm -hmm. in them and for the, the students who need to be there. But it is the case that we need to do everything possible in order to reduce the reinfection rate I, I... and the inevitable mingling that occurs uh, in, in school settings when you have all year groups uh, in place. Uh, does increase the risk of infection, as we saw uh, in Kent. Okay, um, we 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 have um, we have a situation where you, in your former education secretary, you have spent so many years as education secretary, and you know I was a very big fan of your work, uh, what you did in terms of tackling inequality, improving standards. Are you? Are you happy with, are you content that the decision to close schools right now, given all of what we learned about what happened in terms of 4.3 million children in the first lockdown, getting to all intents and purposes, no education worth speaking of for months on end. And we're now looking at six weeks minimum, probably a few more months of schools being closed. Are you content that all of the work you did to tackle inequality, to raise standards, that that's all going to be undone in just one year? It's heartbreaking. Um, uh, th that's why we wanted to keep schools uh, open for as long as possible. It's the best way of uh, making sure that uh, children from every background have the opportunities that they deserve. Uh, we will be doing everything we can in order to ensure that teachers are supported to provide remote learning. We want schools to come back as quickly as possible. But you're right. Um, it, it is a very, very difficult situation. And you're also bang on that the, the children who suffer most are those from the poorest backgrounds. Um, and, and yet that's the decision that's been made. So we're going to basically sacrifice the education, the future and indeed future health and, uh, and prosperity of, of millions of children um, to, to save people who are dying of COVID. Now, we know that 86% of deaths are in the over 70s. Would it not be a more sensible measure for the people who are most at risk, either clinically vulnerable, uh, and I mean severely clinically vulnerable, uh, but um, and the very elderly, 70 plus, that they simply shielded themselves. They were helped to shield, given every possible uh, economic and, and, and practical help to shield themselves, to allow our children to still be able to go to school. Would that not be a more sensible thing, given that we've got a vaccine right now and we can roll the vaccine out quickly? Well, we're doing everything we can to roll the vaccine out as quickly as possible, precisely so the people that you mentioned, the most vulnerable, can be uh, protected and inoculated and so that we can get children back in school. OK, we're talking about the vaccine rollout. Two million a week, 13.9 million by mid-February. 86% uh, of deaths have been in the over 70s. Once the over 70s have been vaccinated, give it another three weeks. Um, basically, we're going to see far, far, far safer scenario for everyone in the country and far, far lower death rate. At that point, so that would be early, early, uh, early March. At that point, all restrictions can cease, can't they? Well, we'll look at which restrictions we can lift when. Uh, we want to be able to lift as many as possible as early as possible. But we do need to be guided by uh, the uh, continuing rate of infection and also by, as you quite rightly point out, the number of people whom we have protected.
OK, why can't all restrictions on other people's daily lives, including children working, going to school, uh, people going to work, people going to pubs, restaurants, seeing other households alike, why can all restrictions not be rest- ended once we've got all over 70s who want to have the vaccine vaccinated? Well, the the disease can uh, cause uh, uh, real suffering and indeed death in people across the age range. It you're, can. You're quite- but wait a second, if 86% of those who die are no longer at a high risk of dying at all because they've had the vaccine, 90% protection, why wouldn't we reduce, why wouldn't we end all restrictions at that point? That, that we are then down to such a low risk of death. What, 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 what is the acceptable level of death from coronavirus that means we get our freedoms back and our children get our, their education back? We want to make sure that uh, as many people as possible are as safe as possible. And the quicker we can vaccinate people, the more freedoms that we can. Right. Return. So, okay. And, uh, now, okay. Let's let's get to a number then. Let's get to a number. We're never going to have a hundred percent safety. I mean, even with the flu jab, we don't have a hundred percent safety from flu, do we? And and and, and coronavirus, we know, is more deadly uh, than than flu. Um, we're never going to have zero COVID. So so a hundred percent of people being at risk. Vast majority of, of people who are most at risk are in their over seventies. Once they've had the jab, okay. What number of people dying a day? will mean that we can get our freedoms back? Uh, Again, I won't make a judgment or prediction now. I think that the most important thing is to make sure that we can do everything possible to get those freedoms back by concentrating on vaccinating as many people as possible. Um, and that's that's the aim the government has. The point of the government, yes, the aim of the government is to vaccinate as many people as possible. The purpose of mm. that is to save as many lives as possible. Once we have saved as many lives as we can possibly do, certainly from the over 70s who are most at risk, as we, I keep pointing out, at that mm. point, we will have a lower lower number of people who are dying. What is the number of people who die from COVID that will mean it is acceptable for the rest of us to get our freedoms back? We'll be looking at the pressures overall on the NHS because, again, one of the things that, uh, uh, as we discussed in the past, is the case is that the more people who are in hospital with COVID, and Mm -hmm. mercifully the treatment now means that people who are in hospital have a, a higher likelihood of surviving, but the more people who are in hospital with COVID the less available the NHS is for others um, and the uh, uh, the less available uh, uh, NHS resources are right. for other conditions. So what we need to do is to balance our ability to treat those who are in pain um, and who have serious conditions uh, with okay. the spread of the virus. So now it's so, not about now it's not about deaths. Now we've moved the goalposts. Now it's the number of people in hospital. Can you tell me, Michael, given you're one of the four people who make decisions about whether or not our lives are controlled, whether our children go to school and the like, can you answer this question? How many people are currently in hospital with COVID being treated for COVID as opposed to being treated for another illness or ailment or long-term chronic condition which they entered hospital for but have since tested positive for COVID. Do you know? Uh, There are 26,626 people in hospital with COVID. There are 26,600 odd people in hospital who have tested positive for COVID. The Confederation, NHS Confederation uh, Director Leila uh, has, uh, McCoy, uh, confirmed to me earlier this morning that there there are no statistics, there are no figures for the people who are in hospital who have tested positive for COVID, 25% of whom, by the way, test positive after seven days in hospital. They've caught it 
in hospital and people who are who are being treated for COVID. Are you aware of what those figures are? Because the NHS Confederation doesn't know those figures. As far as I'm aware, they are not actually available to anyone. They're certainly not aware publicly. Are you aware, do you know how many people are being treated because they have COVID? That is the reason they went to hospital. That is the reason they are in hospital and not because they have long-term other chronic problems, but they have also tested positive for COVID. Well, it, it is the case that if you have other chronic problems, then that exacerbates the damage that COVID can do. There are 9,000 people who were admitted to hospital uh, since December, uh, the 25th, since Christmas Day. Yeah. Uh, so the, the number of people being admitted is increasing all the time. And that's why action needs to yeah. be taken. OK, I mean, you know, the number of the number of people who were admitted to uh, hospitals uh, in the week from Christmas Day went up by 41 percent across England. It also fell by a pretty similar number in the five days to Christmas Day because, of course, hospitals send people home ahead of Christmas. So uh, should we trust those figures? Yes. Even though they, they went down and then they went up again and we're to only told about the figures going up but not the figures going down in advance. Uh, well, manifestly, those figures are published. So uh, you've just shared them. Yeah, it's interesting they're not being shared about it. Just finally, um, I just want to ask you, um, do you think people in a free democratic country should be allowed to debate government policy, should be allowed to question whether or not there should be lockdowns, whether that response is proportionate and discuss the relative threats of, of different uh, of different uh, viruses? And do you think we should be allowed a free and full debate on that without censorship by, say, for instance, big tech? Yes. Are you confident that that's happening right now? I hope so. Do you think that any action should be taken by the government if it isn't happening or if there is censorship? Well, uh, well I, again, I, I don't believe in censorship. And uh, we have a, a, a free and fair press and we have uh, commentators and interviewers uh, of, of distinction who do criticise the, the government's position from uh, Lord Sumption, the former Supreme Court judge, to uh, Peter Hitchens, the distinguished Mail on Sunday columnist um, and others. Um, and long may it remain so. And I respectfully disagree with them, but I think it's important that their voices are heard um, and that debate takes place. Do you think it's dangerous or that people have blood on their hands if they ask questions? No, I think it's absolutely right that people should ask questions. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Let's turn our attention uh, back to schools and to colleges uh, closed to most pupils. Nursery schools open, primary and secondary schools across the entire of England uh, and indeed uh, Scotland as well uh, are being closed to most all but uh, the key workers, children and the most vulnerable children. They're switched to remote learning. Uh, this comes on uh, the day that most schools were originally due to return today. Even schools that returned yesterday were told it was perfectly fine for children to be there. And yet now it's not. Sir Michael Wilshire is the former Chief Inspector of Schools in England and joins us now. Good morning to you, Sir Michael. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, um, I have to say, it's been an extraordinary set of, uh, of switches and U-turns and last-minute changes in mm. policy that we've seen uh, over recent days, even recent hours. Uh, in December, we had uh, Gavin Williamson, the Education Secretary, threatening schools that wanted to close early for Christmas, that uh, they mm. had to stay open. We had the Prime Minister insisting schools had to reopen. We had him on Sunday saying they were perfectly safe to be reopened. Monday morning, we were told they were, they were safe to be open. Monday evening, they weren't. Um, are you aware of uh, the reasoning why they are suddenly no longer safe, but they were yesterday? (laughs) I'm not at all aware of of that. It's quite clear that uh, although youngsters don't fall ill with this uh, virus, they do transmit the virus and that schools uh, uh, are responsible for community transmission in a way that other organisations are. So it, it it was quite obvious to me that uh, this this announcement would be made. I live in Greenwich, <laughs> and it was in this borough that the, the government that that where the councils advised schools to close, and then were told by the Department of Education that they could not do that, and would and legal action was being prepared against them. And then the following week, all the, all the primary schools in Greenwich were told by the government to close. What I mean. Y- it's led to huge levels of confusion and also a loss of morale i think is 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 the best way to put that put this um, amongst teachers and head teachers and presumably also the time that teachers were spending rolling out this mass testing scheme that was supposed to be happening with rapid flow tests for all pupils uh certainly secondary school pupils uh, from from um, this week onwards uh, certainly gcse and uh, a lot of pupils originally were planning to go back certainly this week in fact all pupils lot you know before we went when we broke up in december were supposed to be going back uh, this week um that was what they spent their time planning instead of planning for remote learning now it's going to be all remote learning does that mean actually we are going to see far less uh, remote learning and poorer quality as well as quantity uh, for millions of school children as a result of this last minute decision well it has to be remote uh, remote learning and and, and there, there's no substitute for, for that but there's no substitute for face-to-face teaching and it, it is it is not as good as face-to-face teaching and what has alarmed me over the last year is that there's been very, there has been very little evaluation of the quality of of home learning. Very little evaluation, and we need that now. Now that youngsters are going to be off until probably mid March or even beyond that, we need regular reports from Ofsted 
and other organizations to tell us what is happening, whether in fact uh, youngsters have got laptops at home, whether they've got su sufficient uh, c connectivity, whether the online programs are being used effectively by all schools. The research up to now, the minimal research up to now, has shown that youngsters in the state sector are not doing as well in terms of online activity as the, as the private school youngsters. Um, that less than two hours online programs have taken place yeah. and that the poor particularly have been the most, most uh, uh, impacted by this. And, that, but, and that's the interesting thing. I mean, even just leaving aside the most disadvantaged and poorest kids who don't have access to the laptops and the and the and the uh, uh, the, the iPads and things that we were told they were going to have even in the first lockdown and just didn't appear for months on end on any great scale at all and still haven't appeared. Most schools haven't actually got the number they would need for their kids to do it. I know plenty of middle class families who've got plenty of gadgets and great broadband and all of that mm. whose kids had nothing but a worksheet once a week, no contact with teachers teachers, no homework marked or anything for the entire period of lockdown. And yet somehow those teachers still have a job. Now, if I did my job that badly, I wouldn't have a job anymore. And I'd like to think that anyone else in any other sector would. What is the... What is the penalty for the schools that don't provide learning for children remotely when other schools in the same area with the same catchment area of kids manage to do it? There's no penalty. And in fact, it's interesting that you should say that there was a head teacher somewhere that uh, said quite publicly that she was appalled by the way some of her staff were yes, not I remember that. using online activity and she was heavily censured by her governors for saying so publicly and I think she may have been dismissed I'm not sure what the result of that was but we need a proper evaluation and head teachers need to make sure that online activity is taking place and take action against staff who are not in uh, engaging in 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 remote learning with their with their youngsters, it's absolutely critical. Is is there any excuse for any school, no matter how poor the the children may be and in what terrible dire circumstances they are living, for them not to provide full classes every day for the pupils who can at least attend uh, online? Well the, well, the private schools are. All the oh my daughter! Oh my daughter's had brilliant lessons all day. She'll have six yeah. hours, six seven hours of Zoom lessons. She'll have all her homework marked. It'll all be absolutely fine. Lucky old her. But I'm not worried about her. I'm worried about the kids who desperately need to have that education to have a better life. Yes, absolutely. Private schools are, and state schools should match their activity. Absolutely, absolutely. Is there any excuse what? though for them not to? No, there isn't. I mean, the, the big challenge for our country is that although educational standards have improved over the last uh, 10 to 15 years. Um, we haven't improved the lot of the poorest children. The gap, the educational gap at the age of 15 is larger now than it was uh, uh, 10 years ago. It's something like uh, 18 months. Be, uh, youngsters who are on free school meals are 18 months behind their more prosperous peers at the age of 15. And the attainment gap has stopped narrowing. We need to really worry about that. Inequality is rife in our, in our country. And education inequality is, is rife. And we've got to ensure that the poorest have as much chance of doing well as, as others. And that patently doesn't happen. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 